Hello and welcome to the Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week podcast. I'm Wilma Norton from the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. I'm Devin Dominguez, Chair of Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week. And I'm Holly Moon, Co-Chair of Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week. The Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week podcast features personal, casual conversations with and about people who are making a difference in our communities. Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week is a reimagination of National Philanthropy Day produced by the Association of Fundraising Professionals, Tampa Bay, and created in partnership with our friends and presenting sponsor, Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. So today we're joined by Carrie Getz from United Way Suncoast. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks so much. And can you tell everyone who's uh, tuning in to Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week's podcast a little bit about United Way Suncoast and what you do in our community? Absolutely. So I think a lot of people are familiar with the United Way. Um, It's an organization that's been around since 1887. And in some form or fashion, uh, United Way has existed in Tampa since 1924. Uh, Now the United Way Suncoast oversees Hillsborough, Pinellas, Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto counties, or as I like to say, the prettiest counties in in Florida. Um, And we have been um, in this kind of the Suncoast configuration for a couple of years now. And so it's it's a wonderful opportunity for us to do a lot of work through five very different communities that need very, very different things. Um, and so we tend to focus, uh, you know, United Way, Suncoast's big focus area is our Alice families. And for people who aren't familiar, um, Alice stands for Assets Limited, um, Income Constrained, Employed. Uh, and these are the what some might call the working poor, uh, which we find a very challenging statement. We, we try to be much more optimistic about our Alice families, but they do face challenging situations in that they fall above the poverty line, but well below the kind of work um, and access to resources that could help them in, in their situations with childcare, with education, um, with access to job training, um, basic healthcare, medical needs, those sorts of things. And that's where the United Way tries to step in um, and offer wraparound services and equity um, in access in general. And so that's what we do. And, and, and to put that in perspective, when you look at the Suncoast footprint, 44% of the population in Hillsborough, Pinellas, Manatee, Sarasota, and DeSoto counties qualify as Alice families. So the need has never been greater. And I will tell you those numbers are pre-COVID. So we can anticipate, uh, and what we worry is that we have seen families come into the Alice um, the, the Alice financial situation. And then we have seen Alice families actually then fall deeper into poverty, um, probably due to the results of COVID. So these are the things that we we try to work work on. In Hillsborough and Pinellas, we have community centers. So we have those in um, Sulphur Springs and North Greenwood in St. Pete and Campbell Park in Clearwater. Um, and then we have our reading rooms in Manatee and Sarasota. And those are actually part of larger housing complexes so that we can actually be with our residents and be able to help them with like early childhood education. So we have a reading room in La Miranda Garden Apartments and also in Bradenton Village. And that's a lot of what we do. I mean, that's just one part of what we do. We try to work on 
early childhood development. So, you know, that really critical age of zero to five before we get to kindergarten. And then we're working on youth success. Uh, we want to make sure that we're getting all of the students that we can reading at grade level in third grade. Um, we have many programs. Reading All-Stars is what we're best, best known for, which is one-on-one right. -on -one reading coaching. And, uh, and then we try to do a lot of work with financial stability. And we can talk more about that because I think that's very critical during the COVID time and what we're, what we're going to be facing in, I think, the months to come. I was just having a conversation, uh, oh, maybe even an hour ago, about how the COVID, the pandemic, has really affected those families that are described as Alice families and uh, maybe are bringing out some of the Alice families to ask for help for the first time. And that need is probably going to continue. But do you want to talk a little bit about how during the pandemic you have shifted, adapted? Uh, I think we're all tired of the word pivot, but uh, <laughs> how you have twirled to, uh, to meet the needs and to adapt to this thing that none of us uh, thought we were going to be talking about in January or February. I, I, yeah, and I don't. Not only didn't we didn't we think we'd be talking about it in January and February, I think it's really critical to say. I don't think anybody thought they would be still talking about it in November. Correct. Um, and so that is that is what I think has been the most uh, the, the largest challenge for us. So I can tell you what we've done, and then what we've had to continue uh, to do. And so back in March, when this all hit, United Way did what the United Way does, which is to to be able to leverage the vast networks that we have. And so we created the COVID-19 Emergency Relief Fund. And in a very short period of time, our corporate partners and individual donors and our, our um, individual foundations uh, were able to generate almost $1.6 million. Um, and we did that very quickly. And we were able to distribute those funds where they were needed most as quickly as we could. And so we got that money out to 75 agencies uh, just as quickly as we could. We served 926,000, well, I can tell you exactly because I wrote it down, 926,346 individuals. Um, and that's about 342,000 households when you, when you wow. break it. Down. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's critical. And that wasn't just the, I mean, that was the United Way leveraging our our resources, our ability and our reach, but it was really those those 75 agencies that we were able to pass that money directly to and through because they're the ones that know the community the best and know what the community needs. And so that went, you know, in equal parts, equal parts primarily going to financial stability, housing and food. Mm -hmm. um, those were the three critical things that a lot of the money went to. But we also dealt, we had money going to childcare. That was a huge portion. Um, we had money going for mental health services um, and also for healthcare. And these are all things that were just so important. Now, that money has gone into the community and in many ways it has been spent. Those programs are, are going, but we're in November. And, you know, listening to the scientists, we're not looking at having a very good winter with COVID-19 cases. And we are already starting to see the spike. And so the question becomes now, what do we do? What do we do? Because the need's not changing. The need's only growing. So how do we 
reactivate? How do we do, you know, do we do this again? Do we do it differently? What have we learned? And I think that's what we're doing. I think that's what a lot of other nonprofits, this is a, a small breath of self-reflection um, going into a holiday season, but I think also going into um, an increased level of infection rates and, uh, and what that means for all of us in the community. And at a time when uh, I know your fundraising is a little different than a lot of nonprofits, but this is the time of year when you typically think about, you know, filling your coffers to last through the year. And this is not that year. This is not that. No, this is not that year. And we keep saying that. Uh, to each other because yeah this is the holiday season and this and he, absolutely right this is the spirit of giving and and I will tell you another thing that um, has been a fascinating trend you know United Way's bread and butter is is the campaigns at, at the you know the workplace campaigns um, you know I always say United Way we were the ones that invented I gave at the office um, as, as we kind of did and um, and the funny thing about it is a lot of a lot of our corporate partners, who normally would have had a campaign in the late summer, early fall said, oh, can we push that to the spring? Sure, absolutely, we can push this to the spring. But I think the assumption was we'd be back in our offices. The, the likelihood of a lot of these organizations being back in their offices in the spring is very slim. So we are doing virtual campaigns. Um, and they're, and to be honest, they're going very well. Um, so we are very fortunate that, that, that people are seeing the need that's out there and they are still giving, but, you know, gone are the days of the United Way chili cook-offs and, you know, the United Way raffles at work and all of the things that people did to get excited about campaign season. We've had to completely rethink that. I mean, now it's United Way Zoom backgrounds, (laughs) which honestly are very popular. People enjoy. We do co-branded United Way and the company Zoom. And then whenever you donate, you get the Zoom background. And then you get to proudly display in all of your Zooms. And so I mean, we're doing the best we can. I think we all are. We're all trying to pivot. The good news is, though, is that in the companies that we are starting these virtual campaigns, um, people are giving more because they think they see the need and they know that the money that they're giving to us is going directly into the community, um, either through our, our nonprofit partners or through our community led initiatives. And so that's what's important. Well, and I think we, you know, I, I am with the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay. And so we have seen our donors, this is their time, you know, they've set aside money to do this. And I'm sure in, in many cases, you've seen that as well. This is when people who already are generous by nature, step up and say, what can I do? And, and I want to do more. So what kinds of things are you seeing? What kinds of philanthropy stories are coming out of, uh, out of your work with the, with the United Way as we celebrate philanthropy this week? I, I'm super, I'm super optimistic. I keep seeing, I keep seeing all of the good that's coming out of this. And I know that that is, um, that's almost challenging because you don't want to celebrate something that's so horrible. Right. But there really is a lot of beauty. We, our relationships with our donors has never been stronger. Um, a lot of our, our our older donors are lonely. They don't get, you know, they're not going to see their grandkids. They're not going to see their families. Um, and as a result, the opportunity to strengthen that relationship, to be there for them, to touch base and Zoom with them has been really fantastic. So I think we've seen this as an opportunity to really 
spend more time. If there's one thing we've all said, you know, we kind of have more time now. And so we've been able to take that time and really invest it back into those donor relationships. But but on the, the, the community initiative side, the United Way side of what we actually do, um, so we do so much work with child early childhood education, and we do a lot with, with teaching kids how to read. And a lot of those tutoring sessions have gone virtual. Well, attendance is up. Kids are showing up. Kids are showing up for their Zooms. Um, whether that is just I, 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 the nature of wherever it is that they are, they're in front of a computer, or what it is, but we are seeing an increase. Our, tutor, our, our tutors are being very... Uh, being very proactive and we're seeing some amazing work. So that's, you know, oh, and you know, just because this is life and this is real life that my kid just walked in the door and he's, an, he's a reader. So he's crawling in here right now. <laughs> and this is the other thing that's happened. We've all become a lot more human. So, uh, so we are very, very blessed and fortunate that we've seen a lot of good and a lot of people just coming forward. We we're doing virtual uh, volunteers virtual volunteer programs. And one of the ones that we do now is called Draw United. So companies, it's like win, lose, or draw. Companies come on board. We pair them with a, a youth group, like maybe a Girl Scout troop or something like that. And we draw pictures about things that affect us, our feelings, um, the themes that we're working on, themes of leadership, themes of, of being able to be good role models. And we we play and it's been an amazing experience. Um, I've had so much fun doing them and watching them and seeing everybody get engaged. And so I just feel like we've, we've really tried to do everything we can to still be vital and relevant and in people's, now we're in people's homes more than ever before. You know, our tutoring sessions used to be done off site. Now they're done in the home. And, and so we get to see mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and caregiver because they walk by and we're like, oh, hey. <laughs> so it's, it's, been a very, it's been a very positive thing for us. We've tried to make it as positive as possible and celebrate the little victories. Um, I think the only thing that's just so challenging is why, why do we have so many more? And we will continue to have so many more people that need our services. And that's, that number is going to continue to grow. And that's, that's hard. That's what's hard. So what kind of lessons do you think uh, we're all going to have going forward about the relationship between the donor and the uh, the fundraiser and the organization and the, the people who ultimately benefit from the generosity, generosity, the people who ultimately benefit from the generosity of philanthropy? Do you see changes? What's the what's your outlook? Um, I don't. I don't think we'll ever go back to the way things were. Um, I think that. Um, I think that the way that we interact with our donors, and I think particularly the way that we interact with our board, is going to forever change. Um, now the opportunity to be able to zoom into a board meeting um, for those of us, like for instance, for us who works off of a, we work around a five county area. It's been. It's actually been a real godsend for us to be able to zoom. Um, it's allowing. I mean, I can talk to a donor in Manatee County and then pivot in the next hour, talk to somebody in Pinellas. And I never would have been able to do that before. So I think the opportunity to have access and to be able to, to talk to our, to our donors, um, we'll never, we'll never revert back. We'll, we'll always have much stronger access. Nothing beats face to face. I look forward to going back to those times, but I also know that in a pinch, I can, I can get on a zoom and I can talk to somebody and have that connection. Um, in terms of, 
in terms of what it's done for those that we serve, um, I think it's I think it's truly put a spotlight on the digital divide, and I think it's something that we need to start talking about as a as a as a community and as a nation. Um, that so there has always been talk about whether or not internet is a is actually a utility, <laughs> um, and and I think that's something we need to have a bigger conversation about right now. Um, we have we we have the connections we do in early childhood education and youth success, um, and even our financial stability work um, we are able to do because we are able to have a digital connection, and we need to make, be sure that we maintain that. Um, we're coming up on tax season, and you know we process tens and thousands of tax returns for any individual who makes less, any individual or household that makes less than sixty-five thousand dollars a year. So that we will process your, your tax return for free. Um, that is what the United Way does. That is one of the things we're committed to. And that does have to be a face-to-face -face transaction. And we are working on ways to try to make sure that we can still do that in a safe way. So there's just, you know, there's things we're never, there's things that we'll never go back to. I, I've said that gone are the days that somebody sneezes or sees, sneezes or coughs and everybody doesn't jump. <laughs> um, but, you know, that is the case and we are in this for the long haul. So yeah, we're, we're already looking at like, how are we gonna process taxes in a safe way for, for both you know, our client and, and for those that, that come in and volunteer to do that work. So yeah, it's, it's, gonna, be, it's gonna be interesting, but I, I think a lot of good has come out of this. I really, I really, really do. And I, I hope that when people are giving this time of year, they really know that what they're doing is gonna make a, a very direct difference to their community. Um, there's never been a greater need. Well, and I think being able to actually see that need very directly now may be one of the biggest differences is that you have always known need is there, but when essentially everyone is in need of some sort during the pandemic, whether you're in need of, you know, mental health help or, um, uh, or, or food or, uh, or medical care or just access to testing or whatever, that mm -hmm. there's not anyone who's untouched by this and that, that can make a difference. Yeah, as we, we, I love, I know it gets overused. It's probably right up there with Pivot, but we're all, you know, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats. You know, I just remind myself of that every single day. Um, we are all in such different boats. And, and unfortunately, you know, some of us get boats and some of us get rafts. And so we got to make sure that we're, we're helping out the people that, that, that have, you know, less. Um, and, and one of the things we talk about too, and, and I, you know, I, I realize that our listeners can't see us, but, you know, we're, we're three white ladies sitting here talking. And, and I think it's really important to say that, yes, COVID hit, but you know, there has also been a huge spotlight put on racial inequities during this time period. Correct. And, you know, we would be amiss to not say, you know, we're talking a lot about COVID, but for us, you know, we were part of the racial equity report on that we did in partnership with the Tampa Bay partnership. And, and it would, that, that's some profound stuff. I mean, we were, we were pro, we were asking people, we were doing, um, polling in, in, in October, um, you know, just, just a month ago and saying, you know, how do you feel about race relations in this area? What are things that, 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 you know, that significantly decrease or increase your quality of life because of the color of your skin? And, and that kind of work is in some ways just enlightening and also chilling 
you know, it, it, you look at the divide between how white people feel whenever they see a law enforcement officer or how a person of color views that. And you start to realize that, like, there's just so much more that that our minds have been open to. Um, I think a lot of people in nonprofit, um, particularly people that work in nonprofit that are that are Caucasian, are starting to realize and see some of the people that they work side by side with in a very, very different way. And that's never going to change. Um, uh, we can only hope to improve that um, in, in real, significant, meaningful ways um, that start with owning our own flaws, owning our own inherent bias, owning our own, I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth, but I, I, I'm trying really hard to do right by this. You know, all of those things, I think that space is, is really profound and important as well. And uh, we were a partner in that work as well. And I think as, mm -hmm. as we go forward, that is going to inform everything that we do, whether it is COVID related or the Alice population related or how we support the arts. All of, you know, that's going to be an overlay for the work that all of us do coming out of 2020. So thank you for bringing that up because it's not just, it really isn't just the year of COVID. It's the year of a lot of eye-opening change. Absolutely. And it's true. I'm sorry. Yes, you are absolutely a partner. There was, there was a few of us agencies that all came in. We came in with a lot of our Alice data. That's, that was our big component was, was putting in our Alice data and, and plugging that in. But how important is that? I mean, I got to speak to a group of United Ways um, and, and talk about that report. And, and my, my first question was, do you have this in your community? And if you don't, why not? Um, you know, this, this, was, this was the right place, right time situation, but moving forward, there needs to be race equity reports done every year. We need to start tracking it. We need to start benchmarking it. And we need to start doing better. And for us in the nonprofit world, it starts with our boards, bottom line. We've got to start looking at, at stronger diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it starts with our boards. And uh, I think that's that's the big challenge. That's the big challenge, right? As philanthropists and as fundraisers. Exactly. That's, that's exactly what we have to do. We have to go out there, and we can't go to the same well. Um, we have to look in different places. We have to find those. Um, you know, there are so many. Um, there are so many people who when you ask them, you know, they're, they're successful entrepreneurs and they're people of color. And, and you're like, why don't you sit on any, on any boards? I'm like, cause nobody asks me. And it's just, it's just, it's horrible, but it's true. And it's time that, 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 that stops, that stops now. And that, again, another gift of 2020 um, is that we, we have no more excuses. It is time we have, we have seen, we have been shown and now we have to learn and we have to move forward as better people. Well, and Carrie, you were talking about uh, we're all in the same storm, whether that storm is racial equity or it is COVID or it is whatever, it is hurricane or whatever uh, befalls us. But I'm sitting here thinking that philanthropy really is the thing that can be the life preserver, the lifeline, the bucket to bail out the boat, whether it's a raft or a boat. And I think that's what we're celebrating uh, during Philanthropy Week, but we hope year-round with partners like you and others in the community. Well, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I mean, certainly we, you know, this is our week. This is our spirit week, right? right. <laughs> this is spirit week for philanthropists. Whee! 
<laughs> but it is it is a great time to celebrate and to shine light on what we do and to see uh, particularly and 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 I how many times are we going to say I don't want this to get political and then we you know go go say something but it really was philanthropy that that stepped up whenever there was not the government intervention that I think a lot of people expected um, for good or for bad you know they're just depending on where you lived uh, depending on what state you were in you saw very different responses to not only COVID, but also racial injustice. And so I think it was definitely the philanthropist that stood up and, and said, I can, I can fill that. I can fill that. I can, I can fill that need. I can start that conversation. I can, I can be that safe place. I can be that harbor and I can, I can offer those services. And I think that really just shows how nimble we are, how responsive we are um, and how we know how to get to where the need is. Well, excellent. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you for what uh, United Way does. Thank you for celebrating Philanthropy Week and uh, and continuing to celebrate and promote philanthropy, not just during this week, but all year round. All year round. Thank you. joining us. Please stay tuned for more inspiring stories about philanthropy throughout our Tampa Bay area and visit philanthropytampabay.org to find and share your stories. And many thanks to our friends at the Community Foundation of Tampa Bay for being the presenting sponsor of Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week and to my good friend Wilma Norton for hosting the Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week podcast. Thank you. For more information on Tampa Bay Philanthropy Week and to catch up on all things AFP Tampa Bay, you can follow us on Facebook at AFP Tampa Bay, on LinkedIn at AFP Tampa Bay, and on Twitter at AFP Suncoast. It's funny that it's still Suncoast on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>